There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. British new wave band A Flock of Seagulls rocks the Fillmore in Silver Spring, Maryland this Saturday night. I spoke to founder and lead singer Mike Score about the band's journey from Liverpool to record iconic hits like I Ran. Hey, Mike Score. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Hey, nice to be here. We are talking because your famous band, A Flock of Seagulls, is coming to perform live at the Fillmore in Silver Spring, Maryland on Saturday. So uh, really soon, only a couple couple days left to get your tickets, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it's great. I love doing interviews and I love, uh, you know, playing live. So it all kind of goes together. It's part of a package kind of thing. By the way, uh, where are we talking to you now? I know we we were trying to pin down a time for this interview. You're bouncing all. You're probably touring all over the world. So where are we catching you at the moment? Uh, I'm in Florida right now. But uh, when we were trying to fit it up before, I was out in the Philippines doing a big, uh, like eighties, um, you know, a retrospective kind of show, a big, a big uh, stadium show out there, which really went down well. Um, <clears throat> And then on the way back, I caught this cold, which is another reason why, uh, you know, we had to put it off for a little bit longer. Give me a day to recover. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we are going around the world, catching colds and playing, playing tunes. And, you know, it, it's still as much fun now as it ever was. So we don't ex- intend to stop anytime soon. Oh, that's awesome. And this so this particular gig here in, in Maryland at the Fillmore in Silver Spring, uh, is it going to be, is it like, is it mostly stuff from, from your, your, from your newest one, like string theory, or is it all the greatest hits? Like we're going to get all the, all the hits from over the years. Yeah, you, you do get about a 50, 50 mix. Of course, you know, people come for the hits and we play them what we call future hits, you know, yeah. um, which is some new songs, some songs that have been rearranged and changed differently and some songs that just sound different because we've been playing them for 40 years and they've evolved into their own arrangements and their own sound and you know instead of having a synth playing that sound we have a guitar doing it and stuff like that so right um some of the some of the older songs are slightly different there is new songs and there are we try and do some of the classics exactly like on the record, you know, because really, if I go to see a band, I want them to do the songs I know exactly as I know them. 
<laughs> yeah, so, uh, exactly. that's what we try and do. That's what you pay money to come see him. But I like what you said too. You yeah, also yeah. play quote future hits. I like that. But, uh, what? Well, this yeah, just yeah. <laughs> this just don't this just dawned on me. You'll be here December second. Does that mean? Do we get any? Do you sprinkle in any like cool edgy covers of like uh or new wave covers of like holiday tunes? Do we get any of that? Any covers? <laughs> Not from us. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that would be you all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean. You know, we run into bands that do covers, but I'm a songwriter, so I don't want to play anyone else's songs. I want to play my own stuff, you know. I didn't know if you um, had any original I, holiday tunes, but I guess it's like, it's not a flock of reindeer. It's a flock of seagulls. So. <laughs> it could be in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Let that let that idea percolate a little bit. There might be a song in there. <laughs> right. Yeah, hey, well, that's that's really cool. Well, uh, in addition to plugging the shows, I always love, you know, reminding everyone sort of, you know, sort of your origin story. I know you were born in England in 57. And weren't, did I weren't you like a, um, uh, like a hairdresser in Liverpool before you got into the whole British New Wave scene? Is that right? Um, yeah, I, I started out hairdressing. And of course, uh, it was the punk period. So I ended up doing a lot of guys and uh, girls that were in punk bands or you know went to punk clubs so in my hairdressing shop they'd come in on a friday after working in an office or something and they'd be like punk me up i'm going out tonight so <laughs> a lot of bands started coming in and getting their hair colored and you know uh, shaved and stuff like that so we started to go and see these bands and then and seeing the bands, you know, we looked at each other and went, we we could do that as well. You know, and um, so we 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 needed something to fill our downtime. So we started a flock of seagulls. And um, of all the bands we knew, you know, we were the ones that took off, which was very strange because we were copying them and we went further than them. You know, <laughs> I think I think. They did it as a hobby, but once we got into it, we were more serious about it. And, uh, you know, to get a record deal, I think the record company like you to be kind of serious about what you're doing, you know, because they're going to put a lot of money in behind you. So that was us. We had time. We had the fashion because we were basically in the fashion business, you know, yeah. and um, we had the look, we had the sound and we just took off. So. Liverpool is where we're from, and that's probably where we'll end up in a few years' time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I want to get into the sound in a second, but you mentioned the look, and, and it kind of ties into the hairdressing thing, too. Like, the iconic look of you guys and, and, and your haircut with that sort of, I don't even, what would you even call it? It kind of, it would like, it would like point up on the sides, but then like, it was like a comb down over the front. It was like this really cool, like, uh, unique look that's, sort of came to signify the well, whole British New Wave. Yeah, well, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a spaceman, right? So <laughs> and looking on TV, spacemen had aerials coming out of their heads, you know? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I was, that's kind of what I was emulating. At the same time, I was, although I was a little outrageous, I was also very shy. So the front bit helped to cover up my eyes so I wasn't getting, you know, stared at and stuff like that but um, it, it kind of came about in an accidental way as well because i had a ziggy stardust and frank the original bass player he put his hand on top of that and it all collapsed down the front so i ended up with that look by you might say you know if you can think it it can happen right. and um 
so yeah, I wanted aerials and I wanted to cover my face up a bit. And when he put his hand on my head, that's what I got. So you, it was, it was a, David, a nice it was accident. a David Bowie Ziggy Stardust look at first, and then you just mashed it down. Someone put your hand on your hair. Yeah, I love, that. I love yeah. that story, and it stuck because then, like you're saying, then of all the bands you were playing with in Liverpool, you were the ones that took off, and you couldn't change hair at that point because that it was your look now, and you're famous. So there you go. All right, well, let's go into that first um that first subtitled album, A Flock of Seagulls. Of course, it had the Grammy winning uh, instrumental DNA. Of course, um, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, tell me about that really quick. It's two chords, D and A. And that's, um, we when we did it, we went two chords, D and A. Oh, we just call it DNA because I think DNA was like a big subject in the medical field then. Right. And to us, that's like, man, we're right on top of it here. You know, DNA and a song called DNA. <laughs> and uh, when it won a Grammy, I basically said, does that mean I'm a lousy singer? Because we didn't didn't get a Grammy for what I sang, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. We're, we're going to give him the Grammy for the one where he didn't sing. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, hey, so, uh, yeah. that's great. It still speaks to you as a musician. Well, uh, you did sing on the album's biggest hit, which we have to discuss. I ran uh, so in parentheses so far uh-huh. away. Um, that That is a song that, you know, even kids to this day know because it's just pops up everywhere i think but back back then in what 82 the early days of mtv that thing was tailor-made for they was in heavy rotation on everyone heard it then but tell me about yeah um, tell, yeah tell me about putting that one together especially the idea to kind of the, the guitar you know that like i kind of love how um, it slowly builds it it was really we had the music you know we had the the basic rhythm and the the chords for that and then we were looking for a record deal and we went to a local record label in liverpool and they had a picture on the wall of two people running away from a flying saucer like a 50s kind of photograph right so when we went back to rehearse after being there that was on my mind so i just started to you know develop a story about that picture because i was like i'm gonna go and ask them for that picture for this song so that if if we wanted to release this we have a cover you know and then they went no you can't have it because that's for teardrop explodes who were a big liverpool band um but it gave us the lyrics gave the idea for the lyrics to i ran and the guitar part you know just came from like okay we've got a gap here we need to do something interesting. So let's let's do the spacey thing and have that just go jang, 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 you know, down the line. Right. And um, and then in other gaps, Paul came up with the little, you know, to keep the rhythm, to make it feel faster and keep it bouncing. Um, when, when you're rehearsing and stuff like that happens, you just go, yeah, yeah, that, keep doing that, you know. And uh, the song then kind of writes itself. And... I ran just, you know, when we'd finished it, we just said, oh, it sounds great. Let's put it away and work on something else. And we probably forgot it for about six months. And then we brought it back again and started really working on it. Wow. Wow. And I want to get to your other albums in in a second. But one more on that. Like I do. I mean, I'm sure you do a million of these radio interviews and that's like the one song everyone wants to talk about because every band has their one big iconic song. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll, pun not intended or maybe intended. You'll never outrun that song. But like, do you 
do you ever i don't want to say do you ever get tired of singing it but do you what what keeps it fresh like when you come to the silver spring and play this concert like all these years later like do, do you do, what 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 about the song still i mean is what keeps it fresh for you every time you do it i mean it doesn't have to be fresh for us the, the audience <laughs> yeah. the, they get into it so much that we love playing it for them you know what i mean yeah. it's it's not a case of Oh, 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 we're doing Iran. That's fantastic. Iran is part of our set. And the we try to build the set up towards finishing with Iran. And the audience seemed to want it so much that it's almost like a tease at some points, you know, and then we give it to them. And we have so much fun watching them. And, you know, sometimes I actually stop singing it and just let them sing it. And that's you know, you, then you listen, you go back and you go, God, I never thought it would be like this when we wrote it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It brings back a lot of memories over the years when it was written, then when it became a hit. And then, you know, of course, you do get tired of it and you go, well, what's wrong with my other songs? Why aren't they this big? But then you as you get older, you go, you know, we're lucky to have any hits. Um, and, you know, Iran wasn't the only hit. It yeah. was the hit of that period. And then later on, we had a couple of more hits and we had different hits in different countries. Yeah. Like we were just in the, in the Philippines and their favorite was the more you live, the more you love, Off you know? So, um, yeah. yeah. So, so to us, it's kind of like everything is exciting for us to give to them, you know, to give to the audience because their reaction is everything to us. If they just stood there and did nothing, then we'd be like, oh, what have we done wrong? What's not happening, you know? <laughs> and that's a good point. For for you, you may have played something a million times, but for that one audience member, it could be their first time coming to see you live. So, you know what I mean? So you, you, you play the hell out of it every time. Uh, yeah, I mean, we get, we get people that come and they say, I've waited, you know, 35 years to come and see you. And, yeah. it, and you killed it. You know, it was brilliant. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's what we want. Absolutely. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, you mentioned that it wasn't your only hit, and I do want to remind our listeners uh, quickly some some of the other ones. I know on, on the second album, Listen, in 83, you had Wishing, uh, in parentheses, if I had a photograph of you. Were, was there uh, memories of putting that together, or was there any pressure to follow Iran? I mean, that was such a huge, huge hit in that first album. Were you guys feeling, you know, oh, we got to follow it up with this, and Wishing came out of that, or was it just more organic? Wishing was a song I wrote. Uh, we, the band was having, like, a, a break after the first album and I just went away and wrote wishing and um, I played it to the record company and they just said, that's your next single. And uh, so we went to the Bahamas and we recorded it and it was so different to Iran. You know, it was more of a ballad than Iran. So I was really happy that we weren't just regurgitating Iran over and over again. Um, and wishing became a, a really big hit too. Um, 
And then, you know, there was The More You Live, there was Space Age and stuff like that. So so as long as we could produce a hit every now and again, we were happy, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned The More You, you the more you Live, The More You Love, which was off the third album, The Story of the Young Heart. Do, do, why do you think that you said it was the Philippines that, that that was the biggest hit there? Is that what country it was that you just said? Why, why do you think that? Yeah, one, in the Philippines. Why do you think that one connected there so much or with fans in general? But why do you think that one of all of them? Um, I kind of think it was because in those countries, they have a lot of respect for their parents. Right. And I, the story of that song is it's something my mother said to me, you know, when I had a breakup, she's like, don't worry, son, you know, the more you live, the more you love. And I think that hit a chord with them down there in, in South America and the Philippines and all that area. Um, maybe like, you know, the Latino feeling in their family thing. Um, and that became our, our biggest hit in those areas. I love it. Uh, I love it's it. just. <laughs> I, I'm, I love hearing these stories of what songs connect where it's great. And you've been generous with your time. Yeah. Uh, but I do want we need to at least let's finish the chron chronological uh, bring it up to the present then a little bit, because I know I guess at that point, I guess what Reynolds uh, departed the band, right? The guitarist, Paul Reynolds. And you sort of shook up the lineup for Dream Come True with Who's That Girl and all that. Right. Like that was a slightly different lineup before you dissolved the band in like 88. Is that right? Um. Paul had some problems, he, you know, that come up on the road. Um, all, but I think all bands have at least one person in the, the band that develops some problems. You know, they can't stand the road. They, they, they feel like worn out or something like that. Anyway, so Paul, you know, decided he, he couldn't take it anymore. And he left the band. Um, I was... All, always thinking of what I was going to do next. And all the songs on Dream Come True were written for a solo thing that I was going to do. Oh, but the record, company, the record company said, no, you've got to finish your Seagulls contract. So my solo album turned into a Seagulls album, which didn't sound like a flock of Seagulls at all, really. Because it you wasn't know, a flock. It was, just, it, was just one, it was one Seagull. It wasn't meant to be a flock. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. Um, but it finished out our contract. And and since then, and I mean, I, to tell you the truth, did not like having a record contract because yeah. it, being in a band is supposed to set you free. But right. having a big contract ties you down, you know, and uh, I'm not the kind of person that if you say to me, it's got to be done by two. I probably won't have even started it by two, you know. So uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. So it was a it was tough to have a record contract, um, but it's great to be in a band. Absolutely, yeah, and, and that's the, all I can say. That fifth Go album, Light, Light at the End of the World, in '95. So that was almost a decade after Dream Come True and this whole part, thing we're talking about with the band sort of dissolving yeah. and everything. So, but but that was like with a slightly new lineup of Seagulls, right? Yeah, you know, I I woke up one day, I think, that this one, and I just said, it's time I made an album. So me and uh, the guys that were in the band at the time, we just booked some studio time and, and made that album. And some of it I like, some of it I don't like, some of it worked out the way I wanted it to. But I was actually still experimenting uh, finding how I wanted to write songs, you know, I didn't want to keep repeating what I'd done before. And um, 
I actually, because I'm not really a trained musician, I found it quite difficult. Um, these days, I find it easier to write songs because I'm not stretching myself too far. But in those days, I was constantly going, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And uh, meeting different players and stuff. And it was all a bit jumbled to me. So, you know, um, it's hard to explain, but that's that's the way I felt about it. It was just a jumbled, but it was just time to make an album. Yeah, yeah. Well, fans are glad you did, but I'm sure we're really well. That brings us sort of more to the present time then, because I think you, you and the original members all reunited back again for Ascension in 2018, and then the most recent album that we mentioned earlier, String Theory in 2021. Like, what was it like getting getting the whole sort of the band back together, as they say? Um, it was something that we had to do. A lot of people wanted us to do it, so it's kind of like if we don't do it now, we'll probably never do it. Yeah. And the idea that it was the same bunch of guys that wrote the songs that were doing the orchestral versions. You know what I mean? The Ascension, you're talking about the orchestra. It was the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. And then for String Theory, it was what, what was the orchestra for that one? Slovenian Symphony? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm not yeah, exactly like sure that. because yeah. when when they did the orchestral parts, I wasn't there. So okay, I'm not sure. It. But that was the idea was sort of redoing stuff with or having an orchestra behind it, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. mm -hmm. Um, So for us, it was like stepping back 30 years, but moving forward, because now there was an orchestra, which we'd never considered, you know, in any of our stuff. Right. Um, So so it did kind of work out. But I I wouldn't let the original band play on any of my new stuff. That's, you know, I could say that because. (laughs) I think my new stuff is is not a flock of seagulls as was it's as is the future. Well, tell me about the new stuff then. What what uh, uh, if you wouldn't let them play on it? <laughs> why is that? And, and 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 just tease it, you know, cuz if, if there's flock of seagulls listening, fans listening to this and they're going to be coming to the show this weekend in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh uh yeah, tease tease the new stuff and why they should come pick up Okay. And- the, the new stuff is, it's definitely got seagulls in it. Uh, I didn't want the older guys to play on it because we've always had arguments about writing credits and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, I'm like, these are mine. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, because as soon as you have a hit, it suddenly did I write that or did you? You know, um, I'm a songwriter. It's my thing. And I hate it when I write a song. And somebody else comes along and goes, well, I played the bass on that. So I wrote it, too. I'm like, no, you didn't. You just played along with my song. You know, then you get into stupid arguments and stuff like that. So um, because I own the company, I own the name and everything like that. I just said it'll be the way I want it. I can play everything that I need to on it. And I ended up playing everything pretty much everything myself on these new songs and they are seagullish but they're not the same as 1980s seagulls um the reaction we get to them live is brilliant you know people come up and they go when where can i get those new songs and i just say you'll just have to wait till like february or march when they're coming out next year you know so they're not um, out. They're not out yet. They but they can hear them in concert at, in Silver Spring. Yeah, and I think 
there's going to be two singles and then the album probably in March. I think there'll be a single in January, another one in February, and then the album in March. And that will um, be will that be uh, will be under the banner of Flock of Seagulls or will it be Mike Score solo album? No, no, it's a Flock of Seagulls. It's still Seagulls. Okay. Like cool. I say, I, I own the whole thing, so um, right. I can, yeah, if I want to use that, I can. Yeah, yeah. Same difference. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, I would love to hear your reaction when in, in pop culture, like I know in Pulp Fiction, Samuel L. Jackson goes, hey, hey, you flock of seagulls or in uh, in La La right. Land, Emma Stone requested Ryan Gosling's band at the pool party to play Iran. Like when you're when you do, do you were that can you remember being sitting in the theater or at home watching or whatever? And you see that like what's your reaction to like Pulp Fiction or La La Land when that stuff happens? <laughs> you know, what? I think it's brilliant because. It shows that, I don't know, 30 years later or whatever it was, people are still talking about us, mainly, I guess, because of the haircut. But <laughs> it just shows that in the end, you know, the band had something that is timeless. You know, we didn't know it at the time. And it's only these days that we look back and go, wow, man, <laughs> what did we do? <laughs> you know, we just played a few songs and uh, and people still love them. So, I think the people that make those movies, they grew up liking a flock of seagulls. So they wanted somehow to tell people that, that, you know, that they liked us and they put us in their movies. I think that I think you nailed it. It's like uh, Quentin Tarantino or or Damien Chazelle. They they probably they your music was in part of the soundtrack of their life, so they're like, I'm gonna drop a yeah. little reference in in my in my creative. So yeah, that's what it is. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I didn't know we go you know twenty almost a half hour. So I really really appreciate you joining us. I guess final seconds. Tell you know pretend I'm not even here and just talk directly to the listeners. Invite them on out to Silver Spring to the Fillmore to come see you. Yeah, come out to the Fillmore. Hear the new songs. I tell you what, I think they're better than the original Seagulls albums with the big hits on. These new songs are better. I think you'll catch them real quick. We have people sing along with these new songs the first time they hear it. So I would come out, catch a dose of the old stuff and catch the wind of the new stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Come on out. Awesome. Hey, I thanks so. for doing this. This is, this is so much fun. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Bye.